Oh, how do we start? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. This is how we're starting from now on. I'm okay. gonna be like, hey, have we started? And you're gonna be like, yes, a long time ago. Are we keeping this in? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Hello, everyone. Um, so this is a uh, our third episode for the month of October for Talk Bookie to Me. Um, our two hosts are here. I'm Aaron, and I'm Felicia. And in our third episode for the month, this is whenever we wrap up our reading for October, uh, give some reviews, uh, some ratings, um, and talk about uh, maybe a few superlatives of things for the month, Uh, but more or less just to kind of see how much progress we made on our TBR and give some recommendations based on what we read. Um, But before we fully get into that, we'd like to kick things off with just a little bit of news or things that we're excited for. One of the biggest things that's happened since our last recording was that the Hugo Awards took place. So they had the award, they had the winners, and also uh, some of the nominees and stuff posted up online. And Hugo is for like sci-fi, fantasy. Mm -hmm. So in case you didn't know, (laughs) yeah, yeah, I don't remember the exact day that they announced the winners. The twenty-first. Twenty-first. Okay, awesome. So what we're going to do is we're going to run down uh, some of the winners from some of the bigger categories that we pay attention to. Uh, and then we have a couple shout-outs maybe for uh, like uh, honorable mentions that are in the nominees that we recognize and we think need a little bit more attention. So, all right, you want to kick us off with some of the winners here? Yep, so Best Novel um, was Nettle and Bone by T. Kingfisher. Also mentioned um, was Legends and Lattes, which was the only one on that list that I've read. I heard about five of the six, but um, Legends and Lattes by Travis Baldry is, is it's one of my favorite books. It's cozy cozy fantasy yeah that's a that's one that i was going to shout out as well (laughs) i haven't well i haven't read the whole thing um but that's the one we talked about i think earlier where i read bits and pieces of it whenever it was being published in smaller parts online um but yeah cozy fantasy uh fantasy characters working in a coffee shop um that sort of thing it's really really calm and collect collected just meditate and what's really cool is that um, he was self-published, and mm-hmm. then somebody on TikTok mm-hmm. just really blew it out of the water for him. For sure. So I think that's, personally, I think that I just like an underdog story. Yeah. And absolutely. so yeah. I I have like a soft spot for that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And also, just a shout out real quick, T. Kingfisher was in a lot of these categories, mm-hmm. nominated in a lot of different categories. I didn't write down how many, but just really kind of blowing up right now, it Yeah, feels like. I mean, there's a lot of books... Um, it's like a, if I'm not mistaken, it's, it's, she writes a, like a lot of like horror. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really cool. I mean, nothing with, nothing wrong with Stephen King, but it's really cool to see somebody else talked about in horror. For sure. Yeah. Cause it does feel like there's like, he's the biggest one. And then there's like maybe two more recognizable right. names, but yeah. So that was best novel. Uh, what do you um, got next? So I have best novella mm-hmm. and it's the winner is where the drowned girls go. By Seanan McGuire. Um, we talked about her recently because I had finished... Every Heart of Doorway? Yes, was thank that, you. Yeah, that I was last me- month, I think. Yeah, I couldn't remember if that was the title of it or not, but I thought it was. Yeah, that was last month. That was one of the ones that I really liked from last month. Mm-hmm. Um, but she has a, a bunch of different series out. A lot of her books are not long, so they right. all most of them fall in the novella category. Very short. And she has been a winner previously. Mm-hmm. Her Every Heart of Doorway series, I think it's the Wayward Children series. That's what it is, yeah. They, like, the series has won Best Series previously. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, any, I didn't notice, I did not recognize any other one. I didn't drop any for novella either, yeah. So, Best Series is Children of Time by Adrian Tchaikovsky. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a notable for this. I read the first book in the Schoolmance series by Naomi Novik. And it's called Deadly Education. Mm -hmm. The series is... I haven't finished the other two books in the series, but I already know I'm going to like them. It was like... It was like a... Like a darker Harry Potter. Mm Mm-hmm. The school is literally trying to kill people. That was my honorable mention as well. Oh, I, no. No, no, it's fine. No, I think that's good. They overlap. I, I was assuming you were going to talk about it, but I jotted that down too because, uh, yeah, I think I bought you that one for one of our monthly we did like book a, picks. No, yeah. we went to um, Barnes & Noble and we did like a... Like a little challenge. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. I think it was like Dark Academia or something, wasn't it? I don't it? even or... remember because I got the No Gods, No Monsters at the same time. Oh, Weird. So I think we I think we just did one of those things where it was like 
pick something that we not looked at before. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad that one turned out well. But yeah, I wanted to shout that one out also just because mostly... I haven't read it, but from what I heard you talk about it, yeah. it sounds really good. I really so. liked it a lot. Um, the next one that I have is Best Dramatic Presentation. Um, mm-hmm. Well, Long Run, or Long Form Presentation. Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Uh, A24 produced it. Mm-hmm. And then the two Daniels directed it and mm-hmm. wrote the screenplay. Yeah. It was so good. Yeah, it's one of the best. It might be my favorite movie of all well, time. And it, it yeah. won against uh, Black Panther, pa- Black Panther, Wakanda. Mm-hmm. Um, it won against Red Panda. Mm-hmm. Or Turning Red. Oh, Turning Red. Yeah. About the Red Panda. Yeah. <laughs> um, I can't remember the other ones. I can't that. either, but it, it won against quite a few. And mm-hmm. I mean... I think we, we might have talked about it on here before. I don't know, but everything, everywhere, all at once, also won like a bunch of Oscars as yeah. well. Like I mean, it it swept the categories basically, Absolutely. and yeah, incredible movie. Again, probably my favorite movie ever. So, and then the last one I have, there are more categories, and you can just type in Hugo Hugo Award winners uh, mm-hmm. twenty twenty three. But the last one I have is best graphic story or comic, uh, cyber cyberpunk twenty seventy seven, big city dreams. It's the adaptation of the video game. If you know about the video game, you know about the comic, yeah. sort of. I think um, it's like a continue, like a yeah. side story continuation type thing. I don't know but. enough about the video game to really comment on mm-hmm. it. I've seen a little bit of gameplay, but that was before it crashed. So yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen any after that. <laughs> From what I understand, it's it's doing a lot better now, and they just put out a big DLC for the game that made it incredible like uh, people are saying it's some of the best writing in a video game they've ever seen because it's like a small side story um but and revamped the game a lot as well but my kind of shout out in that one uh, was saga volume 10 the mm-hmm. brian k vaughn and fiona staples um, i think i talked about that in our episode zero and maybe even episode one but uh, it's probably my favorite graphic novel of all time uh, i'm not caught up by any means uh, i want to but it's incredible it's super good so like a space opera love story kind of Romeo and Juliet thing, but it's all about parenting and yeah, yeah, trying to just reconcile like differences within relationships and things. But there's also a lot of like space action and violence and uh, warfare. And I mean, there's even like because I mean, they come from two different races of mm-hmm. alien races, so there's racism. Like oh yeah, it's like yeah. A, it heavily deals in racism. Well, like the um, like the best sci-fi. I mean, yeah. it reflects modern issues. I, I mean, really, that's, I really yeah. like it too. I've read the first two volumes. I, I think, think so. Yeah. I think I read like the first six or seven. Yeah. And I, yeah, I'm still super into it, for sure. Um. So as far as like if we've purchased anything, I have purchased quite a, a bit because I always do. Mm-hmm. But I'm only going to talk about the one, um, Bookshops and Bone Dust mm-hmm. by Travis Baldry it is not supposed to be released until November seventh. Right. If you've pre-ordered it on Amazon, you're not getting it until November 7th. Right. If you've pre-ordered it at Barnes & Noble, you're not getting it until November 7th. But apparently, if you pre-order it at Books A Million, you get it October 27th. <laughs> right. Because that's when I got mine. <laughs> yeah, just popped um, up in the mailbox super early there. <laughs> I, I got a notice that it was shipping. Two days later, it arrived. Mm-hmm. And I finished it yesterday. Yeah. I read it in a day, basically. It, I finished it... At 12-something. So, I guess technically it was today. We should say it's the prequel to Legends and Lattes. Like, yeah. it's a it's a prequel book. We should also just make note that we are recording a little bit early. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, when I say today, it's the 28th. 29th. No, 29th. So you guys yeah. have no idea. Yeah. We're having to record a few days early just because of, like, timing. And also, Halloween is coming yeah. up. Yeah. So. <laughs> I don't want to record on Halloween. Yeah. But, if you're you're going to be listening to this on Halloween, happy Halloween. Right. Um, I guess we should have started with that. Right. <laughs> But that is the that is the the book that I was really jazzed about, mm-hmm. and I'm really glad that I read that because I I read a lot of heavy heavy books this this month this mm-hmm. month <laughs> this year. Feels like it's been a year. Yeah. I read a lot of heavy books, um, and this was just it, it was fun and cute and sweet and everything I needed to. I mean, I still teared up a little bit, but yeah. it was everything that I needed to kind of escape. For sure, all the what? sad. <laughs> I mean, that's what like cozy fantasy or cozy sci-fi is good for. We've talked about the Becky Chambers books, but they always do that for me as well. Where it's just a nice kind of break from the heavy, more literary stuff or the more tragic things, which we typically, for some reason, have been reading lately. But um, I didn't purchase any books. 
uh, this month. I don't think I bought any at all this month, I don't think. I don't um, think so. Um, except for, obviously, the book that I got you, which we'll reveal in the November 1st episode. Right. Um, but I do have just one tiny piece of news, and it's just, it, it's more or less just like a slight reference here, is uh, Pierce Brown, the guy who wrote uh, the Red Rising series, so he wrote the first three Red Rising books and then the kind of sequel series, um, they're all kind of in the same universe with some of the same characters. Uh, we talked about Red Rising a little bit before. Both of us love that book. Um, he was on a, an interview on a podcast, I think. I was trying to find the full interview, and I couldn't find it. Um, but in that interview, he mentioned that he wants to step away from the Red Rising stuff and maybe step away from sci-fi for a little bit. And he's got several ideas for fantasy novels that he wants to write. And he said he would like to write a standalone fantasy novel that is still opened up to where it could potentially turn into a series. But it sounded like in that little clip of the interview that I heard, I think I heard it on TikTok, I believe, um, that he really wants to get away from longer series and try to focus on the standalone things. It'll be a little bit easier for him. Hey, I think that would be great. And I'd love to see what he does with fantasy because he's super good with well, character and, development and sci-fi. So. Yeah, and even like Red Rising, I really had a hard time kind of distinguishing fantasy like i knew it was sci-fi yeah but it i mean it takes place on mars it reads like (laughs) okay smarty i'm just saying i knew it was sci-fi but it kind of reads like fantasy yeah a little bit well it does yeah i mean the plot of it i think and the the setting in particular because it's not like i don't know it's hard to describe it It, 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 we could do a whole episode on just red rising probably we might yeah, it's so good. Yeah, I mean, we, we need to read the other ones. I mean, at least the first three would be great to get through. Yeah, but, to do but, the, the initial right. trilogy. Yeah, but that for me, that was pretty big. Well, for both of us, that was pretty big news that yeah. it's, uh, you know, he may be transitioning, doing some fantasy stuff. And standalone stuff is always great for me because it's hard for me to commit to a series and to actually stick through it and everything. So this will be great, actually. But I believe that's that might be like all the news and yeah, update stuff that I've that got. Is. Um. So we're going to just go ahead and move on into our next segment um, while I'm trying to get this Jolly Rancher wrapper open. That's fine. <laughs> I won't cut that out. I'll just leave the Jolly Rancher. Just go ahead and rip it open. Just get it the rest of the way out. I'm having to let this one melt because it's slurring my speech right now. Everybody's going to be thinking I'm drinking or something. All right. So um, it's our recap uh, episode of the month. Mm-hmm. I started out the month trying to read 14 books. I had a exact TBR of books I was going to read. Yeah. I read 14 books. Just not the 14 <laughs> that you set out to I read? I only... One, two, three, four, five books from mm-hmm. my original TBR I did not read. Yeah. That's not bad. That's really not bad at all. I mean, you I mean, you read a ton of stuff. So, I mean, that alone is a pretty big deal, I would say. I'm, I'm surprised it was only five. Mm-hmm. One, two, three, four. What did I read? Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised it was only five. Well, <laughs> because I, I, normally I don't follow a TBR. Right, yeah. No, you did really well with it. And I yeah, I set out to read six and I ended up reading four. Or yeah. finishing four, That's I should pretty say. Good. That's really good for me, especially with October. I was so busy and everything. But yeah, it was quite a bit. But uh, I think what we're going to do is we're going to kind of go through these books, talk about them a little bit, maybe give a little bit more thorough review yeah. of the ones that we finished since the middle of the month episode. And just briefly touch on the ones that we talked about in the Absolutely. middle months. So, uh, do you want to kick it off? Do you want to go back and forth? What do you want? We really lose structure here, but um. So, since our middle of the month episode, I read one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight books. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how you want to handle that. Do you um, want? How about we do this? How about you briefly touch on the ones from the middle of the month episode? Oh, yeah. Give your ratings of those first. Um, and then I can briefly touch on the one that I read in the middle of the month, and then we can get into the new stuff. So the first five books that I read for the month were all five stars. Uh, the Hawthorne Legacy, which was book two in the Inheritance Games trilogy. A, uh, the Murder on the Orient Express by Agatha Christie. The Ten Thousand Doors of January by Alex E. Harrow. Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin. On Earth We're Briefly Gorgeous by Ocean Vaughn. Yep. Then I read all, A Head Full of Ghosts for four stars. Okay, got it. Yeah, all of those were five stars, and I was really happy with how my month started out. Yeah. yeah. And then Head Full of Ghosts was good, Right. but man, it really hurt my head a little bit to think about. No, I get it. I get it. 
the only one that I read for the middle of the month was Convenience Store Woman, and I went into depth of that. But it was a it was a four star read for me. Um, the Sayaka Murata book. I'll just throw the author out there right. as well. And I'll also briefly mention the two books that were on my TBR that I did not finish really quick as well. Um, so Authority, the Jeff Vandermeer book, didn't finish that one. Uh, that was one that I drew from my TBR bag that was going to be a sci-fi book for me to read next. It's the second in the Southern Reach trilogy, mm-hmm. the sequel to Annihilation. It's heavy. I didn't have time to get to it, I'll be honest. It's it's an undertaking. Um, other one was uh, My Best Friend's Exorcism by Grady Hendrix. That was actually my October book that you gave me mm-hmm. for October. I didn't have the chance to get to that one either uh, for some other reasons, which we'll talk about once we get into the stuff that I did finish. But uh, which ones did you not get to from your TBR? Do you have yeah, those? So Mr. I did not get to Fables, which was a 1,200-page graphic compendium. Yeah, you have the compendium. Um, Coraline, yeah. which was one of my stretch goal mm-hmm. books. Um such Sharp Teeth, another stretch goal book. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Bloody Chamber, I started, but I had a hard time getting into it because I really just needed something like a little more fluffy. Mm-hmm. And then the one I actually purposely did not read until the end of the month was Golden Sun by Pierce Brown. And I might actually try to finish that because I do have a few days. But I purposely waited because I want it to be closer to the time where Aaron might be able to read it. Yeah. So that yeah. I'm not spoiling stuff for him too much. And not getting him too jazzed and not being able to read it. Well, it's already the most overhyped... Well, not overhyped. It's the most <laughs> hyped up book that I probably have mm-hmm. ready to go on my immediate TBR. Because everybody that I've seen, all the book talk people, all the critics that talk about uh, Pierce Brown stuff, Golden Sun is the one where they say it's just like everything... That you could ask for Yeah, book, it's basically. amazing. So <laughs> I'm already super hyped up for it. So I don't think you're going to... I don't think you're going to overhype it or anything, right. but but no, we'll definitely get to that one. But I think soon. I might try to finish that before the end of the month. I mean, awesome. I'm, I I think that I can at least read one more book yeah. by Tuesday. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's Sunday now, and we're recording <laughs> a little late, but I mean, you burned through Red Rising, so yeah, you can probably get to this. So. Um, so while we were recording last, I was reading Malice, mm-hmm. um, and my issue with it was that the characters, one, there was... An abundance of characters. A lot. And two, there's a lot of characters whose names started with the same letter and seemed like they could sound the same. Mm-hmm. Um, that did not get better, <laughs> right. but they stopped introducing characters. Right. So it didn't get easier, but you did start to connect a little bit more with mm-hmm. the characters that they did introduce. I had to... Until about halfway through... I sticky noted every single chapter to kind of summarize because every single chapter is a different character. Mm-hmm. And so I did sticky note to summarize so that I could remember and retain what I was reading. Right. Halfway through, I stopped needing that, but I was already committed. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard for you to quit a book, um, especially the further you get into it. By the way, I loved it. Yeah. It was a four star for me simply because it was complicated and it did take me a while to get through. Um, I read it from the 16th to the 22nd, mm-hmm. which is six days, I think. The first four days I was leading up to the middle. Mm-hmm. After that, I was basically done. Yeah. And it, it read faster and there, it did make me cry, which... I cried a lot this month for books. Yeah, I was here for most of it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. That, that means it's a good book. And that yeah. means you connect with the characters somehow. Mm-hmm. Since then, I have read... Are we doing that? No, no. I just had a question about oh, the Malice book. Yeah. I, I can't remember, and I don't know if you know for sure. Isn't that John Gwynn's first book? Yes, it's a debut novel. Right, that's right. So they say that they get a lot better as you go. Yeah. So like, if you're already in on this one, I think you're going to like the rest of them. Yeah. And I, I, I still have Shadow of the Gods, which is like his second series that he started writing. Because um, I think there's only four books, five books? Hmm? I own them all. I, just I think there's only four books in this series. I think so. And then the Shadow of the Gods, I think, is only two so far. I don't know if they're doing more. But anyway, I just wanted to mention that because I think it's great whenever a debut can hit that hard, you know, yeah. and especially when people are regularly saying it gets better. Like, stick, right. stick with his writing. He matures as a writer. And yeah, gets it much, was much really better. good. It wasn't, it wasn't complicated to mm-hmm. read. It was just the name issue that I had. For sure. Um, with a lot of fantasy, there's a lot of, like, 
formed together words mm-hmm. and made up words and languages and yeah. um, all of that. And I, I didn't feel like I had... Well, that's that issue. That's the joke with that's the joke with fantasy stuff. Anyway, is like the first fifty pages are just gibberish because you're having to learn <laughs> like the names of everything and the world building and this new magic system. If there's magic and all right. that stuff, so. But. And I will say, I really liked how they did introduce the characters to each other. Mm-hmm. They did it gradually. So if if I have A through E mm-hmm. characters per chapter, in in chapter G, I had A and E meet. Right. And it was a really cool, like, it wasn't like, oh, here's a band of people that all came together. Here's everybody that you learned about previously. Yeah. And I really liked that a lot. That's great. Yeah. What was your next one? Um, so I also read Laura Olympus Volume 5 by Rachel Smythe. Uh, it started out as a webtoon comic. Mm-hmm. Graphic novel now. There yeah. are five, this is the newest volume, Volume 5. Um, it's, it's a Hades and Persephone retelling. It's really good. The art is... Really purple, blue, and pink, mm-hmm. which I like a lot. Yeah. It's really calm. It's it's a good one if you're into graphic novels. It's very popular, by the way, I should say. Like, yeah. I see so much praise for it everywhere. And a lot of my friends have even told me that I need to get into yeah, it. Yeah, I think like, you'd like it. I think I've had at least two people that I, I know. I have that, them if you want to borrow them. I mean, I'll definitely, <laughs> definitely read them eventually, graphic They'll novels. They'll take you especially. like a day. Right. Each. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, so five stars for that. I read 1984 for the first time ever. George Orwell. Um, I gave that a four star. I liked the story overall. It is still relevant because it, it even though it's set in 84 and it was written in the 50s, I believe, mm-hmm. I'm reading it in 2023 and it still feels new. Yeah. Yeah. Like it still felt like it was something that as somebody who's... Oh gosh, I think I'm the same around the same age as the main character. Yeah, I think he's in his thirties. Thought he was in his forties. I could be wrong. I think it's though. late thirties initially. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, I just thought it was kind of an interesting book. I I liked it. I understand the merits for it, but it didn't jostle me. Yeah, and I think that's <laughs> kind of what I look for in that type of book. For a five star. I'm just laughing because I'm watching the look on your face while you're trying to compute like how to put this. It's like you know that it's like such an iconic book that yeah, it's like it's you're, a good book. Yeah, but you're like I got to be careful with how I phrase these criticisms <laughs> because it's such a good book, like such a big book that it's like blasphemy well, to say that it's not good. And also, it's one good. of my ten books that like. Yeah. I yeah. was assigned. Right, yeah. So so <laughs> we talked about this already, but like we assigned each other 10 books to read this year. That right. was one of the ones I gave you because you'd never read it. And I think it's one of those classics that everyone should read at some point. Right. And uh, yeah, I mean, if you don't know anything about 1984, I mean, the reason why it still is so prescient is because it's totalitarian stuff. It's about government overreach. It's about surveillance states uh, and like... Uh, manipulating information and people's understanding of the world and changing reality. It, I mean, it's, it's layered and layered and layered and it's, uh, yeah, I still think it's an incredibly important book. And I think I mentioned it a couple of episodes ago, probably the first episode for the month, but I always forget that there's a little romance plot in there as well. And the last time that I read it, I was struck by that. It seemed to stand out a little bit more. Because the Big Brother stuff and all of that tends to be the stuff that people pay attention and, to. And but. I really liked that I that you had read it because I had thoughts and mm-hmm. questions and just how I saw the end of the book. And it comes to find out like we saw it kind of differently. A little bit, yeah. Which I, yeah. I like. But I think that I've read it two or three times now. And I think that my interpretation of the ending has been different almost every time. That That's sense. just kind of the way it is. But it's... Again, incredible book. I think it holds up. I'm glad you liked it. So, um, so and, and to be fair, Goodreads doesn't let you rate mm-hmm. percentages. It was probably like a four two five. Yeah, 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 yeah. It like four is a little too low for me, mm-hmm. but it didn't like it didn't check all the boxes, and I don't know I what gotcha. all those boxes are, but it just didn't. I gotcha. <laughs> you know, it's it's heavily informational. Like it's yeah, it's a lot of like odd world building and kind of circular writing. So right. yeah, I get it. I get it. Um, so I also read Kaiju number eight, volume nine, which is, let me rewind. So <laughs> Kaiju is a, Kaiju number eight is a manga, um, about, so Kaiju is just the word for monster. 
mm-hmm. and it's about soldiers trying to fight these monsters. And they're usually giant monsters, to be clear. Like, yeah. thank, thank like Godzilla. Godzilla. Yeah. Like, king of the monster situation. Because mm-hmm. um, Godzilla is technically a kaiju. Mm-hmm. Or if you've ever seen uh, Pacific Rim, yep. those are kaijus. That's yep. just what they call them. Well, just like Pacific Rim, each one that comes out is stronger than the one before it. Mm-hmm. And that's what this story is. I adore this story. I think it's so good. I think... So it's your favorite manga, right? Oh, absolutely. I think that the way that they've developed the characters, I think the way that they've developed the main character, and I say main character loosely, because even though he's the main character, because Kaiju number eight is a character, Mm -hmm. they've focused in on all of these other side characters that Mm -hmm. you sense of community and not just here's this man and other people. And I think I read through volume four, volume five, and I agree. I mean, it's, it's incredible. I mean, the, I've not seen too many that are better than this. I would say, I mean, I, I still, I still really appreciate some other manga that, that well, especially that, recent though. Like it's I can, so good. Yeah. I can appreciate like, this is the best new age mm-hmm type manga and, it, and it's action but it's also character mm-hmm. driven like you said yeah i think it's i think it's great so that was a five star i don't know if i said that or if you could tell <laughs> <laughs> um i have a three star next you are not alone greer hendrix and sarah pickannon sound right <sighs> i really struggled with this mystery is usually something that i can blaze through It takes me like a day. I mean, this still took me a day, Mm -hmm. day and a half. Mystery takes me a day. It takes me no time at all to get into. And once I'm into it, I'm done. Right. This one took me so long to get into. I, I don't, I don't think I liked any of the characters, like start to finish. I don't think I liked any of them, except maybe I liked the girl that died a little bit. Well, and to be clear, it's not the type of book where they're supposed to be unlikable characters, right? I didn't think so. Okay. Just make So it felt very like, like adult mean girls. Mm. Um, I think I described it as like real housewivey or desperate housewivey. By the end, I really liked it. Mm -hmm. And it was a three, two, five probably because it it did redeem itself. It did have a little twist that I was kind of shocked by, Mm -hmm. but it was the smallest twist. Yeah. Um, you told me most of the plot, and I'm going to be honest with you, I barely remember yeah. it because it sounded like cotton candy. It sounded like it was so yeah. loosely threaded together and it just dissolved immediately. It just... It was, yeah. it was a lot to read. <laughs> that was my hardest book, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, three stars. Okay, and then Ifuru, which is a four star for me. Uh, this is my most surprising book that I've read this month, at least. Mm-hmm. Also one of the ten I assigned yes. you, to be clear. Yeah. And I just want to have... I just want to... I've been thinking about it a lot. So I'm going to read this little description on Amazon. For sure. Just to let you know what it's about, because I couldn't really... Well, I think it's... Do I, it justice. I think this is a good book to read a description for, because I don't think a lot of people are going to know about this book. Right. And just to clarify, like, it, it is Ebo literature. Mm-hmm. So uh, the, the woman that wrote this is Ebo, and the characters are Ebo as well. Uh, it is, I think, the first piece of literature by an African woman to be published, if I'm not mistaken. So, so, And it was out of print for a while and came back into print. But anyway, I'm, I'm cutting in. Go ahead. So, appearing in 1966, Ifuru was the first internationally published book in English by a Nigerian woman. There we go. <laughs> Flora Nwapa sets her story in a small village in colonial West Africa as she describes the youth, marriage, motherhood, and eventual personal epiphany of a young woman in rural Nigeria. The respected and beautiful protagonist, an independent-minded Igbo woman named Ifuru, wishes to be a mother. Her eventual tragedy is that she's not able to marry or raise children successfully. Alone and childless, Ifuru realizes she surely must have a higher calling and goes to the late goddess of her tribe, Uhumiri, I hope Mm -hmm. I just said that right, to discover the path she must follow. The work, a rich exploration of Nigerian village life and values, offers a realistic picture of gender issues in a patriarchal society, as well as the struggles of a nation exploited by colonialism. So, as I was reading it, I did struggle a little bit because it is a circular book. Mm -hmm. But, whenever you explained to me that 
it's it's an oral tradition situation mm-hmm. that made a lot of sense and so i think i did go into it with like a new lens mm-hmm. and just pretend somebody was telling me a story yeah and i've been thinking about it ever since i think mm-hmm. so i really i really liked it it's a fairly if short that interests book, yeah. you at all i think you should read it it is 221 pages the margins are like 1.5 inches the, all the way around. On this one it is, yeah. Some of them are pretty different. But yeah, it's still very <laughs> so short. So like, I'm trying to say that because like, it's not... That's how you know it's not a long book. Right. Um, but I, I just... I think it's important because it's also about finding your your value and mm-hmm. your identity in a, a world where your value and identity are defined very differently. Mm-hmm. And you can't fulfill those checkboxes. Right. So I, I I appreciate that novel a lot. Yeah. Um, but because I did struggle, that's why I got four stars. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's fair. And I, yeah, and I mean, I, I gave you that one as part of the 10. I get, we talked about this off the podcast a little mm-hmm. bit. But it was mostly because, like, I studied this in college. Like, right. I studied a lot of African literature in college, specifically Nigerian and South African literature uh, in particular, like right. a little bit of other literature as well. But, but yeah, that's, and, you know, it's always been an interest for me, so I thought that that would be a, a good one. And you've read Things Fall Apart already, right, I think? Maybe. I, I think, don't remember. I, I think we Anything so. I've read in in high school or college is, like, a foggy memory. I got you. Well, think, <laughs> I only bring that up because Things Fall Apart is, like, the first, like, major mainstream mm-hmm. African literature, African book, book written by an African author. Uh, and Achebe, Chino Achebe, the author, kind of established the canon of African literature, which helped get something like a Furu published, which, again, is a major milestone for a very heavily underrepresented part of the globe. Well, and so. she's, she's writing about something that's, not traditionally written about Mm -hmm. oh yeah yeah because there's a lot of customs and there's a lot of roles and there's a lot of almost like like this is how you do manuals Mm -hmm. (laughs) like just you know verbally manuals and and if is is by the end she's not yeah following really any of those things yeah of course um, okay, so A Fatal Grace, Louise Penny. I listened to this on audio audiobook. Um, the narrator is Ralph Kosham. It was a three star. It's just like a mystery. It's um Inspector Gamache series hmm. uh, set in Canada. It's pretty good. I listened to it only. I don't I don't have I don't read the books. I just like listening to them in the background. Um I did this while I was mopping the store. <laughs> I finished it up. Great time I really to read. I liked it. I thought it was a good book. I thought it was, you know, like a good story, a good mystery. The town, everybody in the town is really nice. And you, they're memorable. It th- did have a little bit of sad moments. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it was a three star because, like, I don't, I have a hard time rating mysteries really high anyway. Yeah. No, I get it. <laughs> and then my final book that I have on here. Five stars, bookshops, and bone dust. I talked about that already. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I, I don't know if I can talk about it anymore. Yeah, <laughs> there's just so much. <laughs> no, it seems great. I really look forward to getting to that one too because we both have copies of it. Mm-hmm. So like, I need to, I need to get to that one soon because I need something a little cozier and lighter. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a lot of heavy stuff even coming up. I have heavy stuff as yeah. well. So, yeah. Is that all you read so far? That's it. Yeah. I'm just joking. That's 14 books. I know, I was joking. <laughs> yeah, I'm only saying that because, like, I'm now going to talk about three books <laughs> that I read. So, um, yeah, so uh, I read, uh, like I said, I read four books. Uh, Convenience Store Woman was the middle of the month. I'm not going to talk about that four-star book. Um, I also read uh, She is a Haunting was another book that I finished this month. Um, I started and finished it this month. What, do you remember something? Well, I was reading Afuru, and they talk about... Wasn't it Afuru that had the, the haunting, like, the... Oh, yeah. Anyway, sorry. No, no, you're fine. They, no. they like, connected well, in the weirdest way. Well, we we drew so many connections between, like, this book and, like, African literature and mm-hmm. other stuff as well. Like, in a, even a Hungry Ghost, the book yep. that I read, it was, like, a set in Trinidad and Tobago. Like, that, again, yeah. there, there's threads here. It there's all really kinds of threads. 
Um, She's a Haunting is very, very good. Uh, it was a, a horror novel uh, written by... Can you pronounce the name for I me, can, please? I can you try. can attempt to. I have it in parentheses next to the title there. Um, Trong Tan Tron. Yeah, so it's a Vietnamese horror novel. Uh, it's a young adult novel uh, that is set in Vietnam. Uh, it I gave it four stars. It's a very, very good book. Uh, scary, had some eerie, creepy parts. Mm-hmm. But it surprised me because it also had some light-hearted, kind of found family, searching for identity elements to it. The basic idea of the story, and I'm not going to give away too much, is um, a Vietnamese-American girl that's around 17. Uh, her father basically abandoned their family uh, and moved to Vietnam. and Back per- to Vietnam. Back to Vietnam. And purchased a French colonial home that he starts renovating to turn into sort of like a rental property. And each room is going to be like themed and it's going to be set up for uh, people on vacation, people traveling abroad to rent and just kind of enjoy as like a touristy type thing. Uh, The home has a lot of dark history behind it, as a lot of colonial homes do. Uh, And as this this young girl is there... uh, trying to stay with her father to help put together the website to make some money to go to college and pay tuition, scary stuff starts happening. The The mm-hmm. history of the house starts to come through and haunt her. It is a ghost story. There's a little bit of body horror as well, um, and she's kind of developing friendships and trying to protect her family while she's navigating all of these like very complicated historical events that have happened in Vietnam through colonization uh, and the way that that is viewed and the way that history is recorded. And, yeah, there's a, there is a lot to unpack in that book. Uh, it was incredible. It was great. The only reason I gave it four stars is because it felt like some sections in the middle started to drag a little bit. So the beginning kicked off really well, introducing the characters and the setting super well. The middle felt like it got slightly repetitive, um, and it felt like we were just kind of waiting for the climax of the book. And then the final, like, 50 to 100 pages was, again, very, very fast-paced, interesting. I enjoyed every second of it. Um, But, yeah, that kind of pacing issues in the middle drug it down just a little bit for me. Again, highly recommend that one, especially if you're looking for something a little scary to read because it's not overwhelming, um, but there's definitely horror elements. Again, the body horror in particular is the stuff that kind of got to me a little bit because that tends to be pretty creepy for me. And Body horror basically meaning, like, different elements of the human body kind of being warped and manipulated and doing things that the human body should not do normally. Um, But again, it's right in line with stuff that I study because it's, you know, it's all about colonialism and about, uh, you know, identity and all of these different elements that I studied in college, but through a young adult novel, which was great. It reminded me a lot of a a more approachable version of Build Your House Around My Body, which is, I, I mentioned that a couple times already, it's probably my favorite horror novel. Uh, it's, well, this was just the YA version. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's less academic. Uh, again, much more approachable, faster paced. You don't have to sit and chew on it as much, but there's definitely enough to, to stop and think about. So that's four stars. Uh, I liked it a lot. I finished Angels and Demons. I talked about that a little bit in the mid-month with a catch-up on where I was at. So I had the illustrated version, the big heavy one with the <laughs> the photos taken and put in it. Um, it. Great book. I also gave it four stars. Um, as the last like 100 pages or so, I just burned through. Mm-hmm. The pacing was just like a breakneck speed through the end of it. It's just unbelievable how fast that was and how intense it was overall. A good mystery, good story. I, I want to watch the movie for sure. We should uh, do that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, it, again, very good. It's, you know, it ties into, like, religion and things like that, um, but it's also a lot about science and kind of the conflict between science and religion. You can just open your Jolly Rancher if you want. <laughs> just go <ahead. laughs> We're just got this rattling in the background while we're talking. All right. You got it. So it is, it's very good. It's, uh, again, I highly recommend it. I cannot recommend the illustrated version enough if you can get your hands on it. Because I think I mentioned it earlier, but every time that they talk about a specific place in Vatican City or in Rome, they'll have a photo of mm-hmm. it. Or if there's a scientific principle, they'll have a photo of... Or if it's a symbol. Yeah, a symbol, because sim- yeah. symbolism's huge in this. I mean, he's a professor of symbology or whatever, the nonsense. Anyway, 
Um, it's just so, so ridiculous. Symbols have meaning, Aaron. Oh, no, I know. I know. <laughs> but there's like, okay, so the reason why I gave it five stars, this actually tied. Four ty- stars. Four stars, sorry. Uh, it got knocked down a star and solidly into the four star range for <laughs> two main reasons. One, I find it absurd that these symbols that are supposed to have perfect symmetry or whatever would not have been recreated already. Someone would be able to do it. And a huge, like, clinch point of this, and it's pretty early on, so it's not a big spoiler, is these symbols that the Illuminati create are supposed to be, like, non-creatable. Like, mm-hmm. no one and no computer at the time could create this symbol. Were they, like, amb- no, not ambigrams. It's like a whole art style now. Yeah, yeah, and it's, I think it is ambigrams, so I'm not sure. Yeah, where but- you can read it upside down and it still be the same word yeah yeah so you can read it up you can flip it turn it and mm-hmm. it's the same thing it, it, that's absurd like I, it's a crazy like tattoo style yeah like tattoo it's, artists do it it's <laughs> it's such a silly silly little plot point but like again great second thing that brought it down is it's got some of that early 2000s male writer <laughs> kind of sexism to it there's like a little like james bondy wink and nudge kind of like right uh, you know, objectifying women. And like this, it, like, super smart scientist is boiled down to the fact that she wears a skirt. Yeah, or, like, or shorts. Or wears shorts yeah. for Vatican City. Yeah, they mention that at least 20 times. Yeah. And, and I get it. It's meant to conflict with, like, the setting, and it's supposed to go against the traditions and show that she's, you know, breaking those women traditions. Women aren't supposed to be there. Right, yeah, <laughs> right. not wearing short shorts, for sure. Right. But, like, but, but at the same time, I don't think that they had to reference it so many times. Mm-hmm. And then it felt like there would be these intense moments <laughs> where uh, Robert Langdon, the main character, would pause and like be thinking about like her body or thinking mm-hmm. about the way she looked and like very directly like meditating on her physical attraction or whatever. And it's just like, I don't think you'd be doing that whenever you're in the middle of almost losing your life right like, like there's a bomb about to go off like you need right. to be concerned with I mean, the there's thing. a lot of like high danger in this book yeah there's the and they mention her short shorts so many times yeah it's and he like comments on her skin yep. a lot it's just i don't know but again it's it's that early 2000s like guy writing a book <laughs> for like mainstream audiences I, I, that doesn't make it okay but it makes it make sense you know <laughs> Um, so again, four stars. I really liked it. I, I definitely plan on reading uh, the Da Vinci Code and stuff as well at some point because they're just they're fun, quick reads, mm-hmm. and they, again, fast paced, a lot of action. They trim out any unnecessary details. You're not going to linger on a scene too long. It feels like it's paced to be a film essentially. Mm-hmm. So I really like that one. Uh, last one that I read or finished for the month was Dark Places by Gillian or Gillian Flynn. I can't remember which way to pronounce it. Yeah, um, so if you listen to the mid-month, you probably re- remember I was struggling with it a lot. <laughs> you did not like anybody. Yeah, well, yeah, that is the book of characters that you do not like. Mm-hmm. So by the end, I did like Libby, the main character, more. Um, that is her name, right? Yes. Okay, <laughs> I, swear, I didn't sound right for some reason. Uh, I like Patty, is that the mother, I think? I don't uh, remember. Anyway, uh, their mo- their mom, I liked her. I started to really sympathize with her. And Ben, I started to sympathize a little bit as well. Um, not much. <laughs> but again, the, the lightest investment in these characters by the end. But it did grow. Um, also, I'll say that this book is the exact opposite of Angels and Demons <clears throat> in terms of pacing and like the way it's written. It, that, she spares no, de- or no details whatsoever. Right. Like She buries you in the scene. There'll be three or four pages of describing the setting of a scene, mm-hmm. and then the actual action of that scene will wrap up in a half a page, and then they moved on to another setting. It, it's good to build atmosphere and tone, mm-hmm. but it feels way overdone sometimes. It just feels like it's way too much. Um, the last like 75 to 100 pages, I did burn through them. The pace picked up. The characters were set up. The development was moving well. I, I did enjoy it a lot by the end. Uh, again, knocked down to four stars for the overdone detail. And also, I won't spoil it, but the ending, we talked about that in detail. Dumb twist. There's a twist that is so ridiculous. The one thing that I will tell you, and again, this, <clears throat> this is not very much of a spoiler at all. I'm not going to say anything specific, but if you're thinking about reading it, I want to set some expectations. 
So I am going to say skip forward maybe like a minute if you don't want to if you don't want any sort of expectation setting or anything. Just skip forward a minute. At the end, there is no way for you to have predicted like to solve the central mystery. Basically, they do not set up any breadcrumbs. There is nothing to lead you to the conclusion. So by the end, you feel like it just gets dropped on you pretty heavily. And at that point, it's just I I felt cheated a little bit but overall plot was good i mean the i like the character development i like that drive and everything so right because with mysteries you kind of like the whole point of a mystery is you try to figure out yeah the ending there is you try to figure out the answer as if you're you're doing the discovering too you might be able to figure out a small part of it but there is a zero percent chance you would figure out the whole thing because the twist is just not signaled at all it's not foreshadowed in the least and there's just no way. And on that yeah. same topic, that's why I did not like you are Al- you are not alone. Yeah. Because I did figure it out. Mm-hmm. Maybe like three chapters in, and that you don't need to figure it out that early either. It's hard to. And balance. by then, I was like, I don't care what happens yeah. to these people. It's very <laughs> it's very hard to balance. That's why mysteries I think are incredibly hard to write a good one because yeah. you need to plant the seed of the plot and the mystery and make it to where your audience can interpret it and get some good guesses but you don't want to give them too much to put them over the edge and cause problems right. so it's a balancing act again four stars i i enjoyed it it did kind of push itself up there towards the end and and i read i finished it a lot faster than i expected i mean i wrapped up the last 100 pages or so in like 2 days which is pretty quick for me so right but that's all that I read this month. <laughs> but we do have some really quick superlatives. We don't mm-hmm. need to talk about anything, really. We just need to, like, mention. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, what was your favorite book? Uh, she is a Haunting was my favorite one for the month. Very, very close. Uh, Angels and Demons was pretty close behind it, oh, that's honestly. Yeah. Mine was 10,000 Doors of January. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a struggle with Tomorrow, Tomorrow, Tomorrow mm-hmm. on Earth We're Briefly Gorgeous and 10,000 Doors of January. But I didn't cry during 10,000 Doors of January. So that's what put so it over that's, the that's what did it for me. <laughs> that's, that's cool. um, my least favorite book, I don't know if you guys could tell, but it was You Are Not Alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mine's Dark Places. Right. <laughs> Again, it's not a bad you book. You have a four-star month. Yeah, I read I read very good books all month. Oh, every one of yeah, them are four yeah, stars. Yeah, four, <laughs> four, four stars. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's great. All right. Um, so the best cover. Um, I chose, and we chose best cover based on both of our mm-hmm. sets. I still chose She is a Haunting. Yeah, because she has like yeah. flowers coming out of her mouth. Yeah. Butterflies, flowers. It's a very stark cover of like kind of a startled face. We do it every, we did it last time too. <laughs> a kind of startled face and her mouth is just slightly open and there's like flowers and I think butterflies or something kind of growing out of it. After reading the book, that imagery ties into it mm-hmm. so heavily because there's flowers in this house that seem That's to just funny. be taking over. But my I cover has great. flowers on it too, but it's so different. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> Ten thousand doors of January, Alex E. Harrow. Nice. That's what I chose for best cover. Okay. It has the words on the inside. It like one of the letters is a key because mm-hmm. it's doors, and then it has a border of flowers, and it's just so pretty. It and then the really pages nice. are what are they called when they're uneven? Oh, uh, De- like deckled yeah. edges. Yeah. And I like that. Yeah. Um, the biggest surprise, and what we did with this was not necessarily biggest surprise in the book, um, but like our biggest like reading surprise, or what book surprised us the most. Mm-hmm. Um, my biggest surprise that it took was that it took me so long to finish Malice. Hmm. When I picked it up, I was like, "Oh, this will be fine." That's a long time. Eight days, I think, by the end of it. That's a long time for me. Yeah. To be with a book. So that's my biggest surprise. <laughs> Mine's like the opposite. My biggest surprise was that I read the last bit of Dark Places so fast. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> because it, I think I spent, what, a month and a half reading the first half or right, a third Right, your month of and it? a half was my six days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, but then I finished up the last third yeah. of that book so quickly that I... I was shocked. I didn't right. think I would finish it that fast at all. But. Yeah, when you told me you were finished, I was, I was pretty surprised. Yeah, oh yeah. Because you had 50 yeah. pages... And you were working. Yeah, yeah. Well, they were rotting. I was just standing up there. I, I did put one more. Yeah. Um, I cried during four books that I read. Mm-hmm. I cried the most during On Earth We're Briefly Gorgeous by Ocean Vuong. I even cried mentioning it two yeah. times later. Yeah. That's how you know it's a good book. 
It's a heavy, I do not recommend it to everybody. You're tearing up now. No, no I'm, I'm not. I'm not this time. I'm keeping it together. Um, I do. I do not recommend that to everybody. Yeah. I think that if you struggle with identity yourself, mm-hmm. this is going to be a difficult book for you. Absolutely. And it is something that I do struggle with because I am like a quarter Vietnamese, but I was mm-hmm. raised by like a very Vietnamese grandma. Yeah. And I. That is something that I struggled with was mm-hmm. identity. Yeah. And that's something that he talks about a lot. And now I'm maybe I am. But if if you are sensitive about your own identity and you don't think you can get through it, I don't think you should read it. Yeah. But if you are curious, there are also some like like a little bit explicit mm-hmm. like sexual scenes. I yeah. I think they are. Yeah. Yeah. Um and I recommended this to my mom before I got to those scenes. <laughs> so, but I warned her later, so maybe she'll read it. But it's very literary too. Yes. So, and literary books tend to hit heavier with yeah. that stuff. Well, on so top of that is is he's a poet, mm-hmm. and so it reads lyrically too. Oh yeah, his language is great. So yeah. I want. I really, I loved it. Yeah, yeah, and I. But it made me cry a lot. <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't have one that I cried at, but I will I, I can just say like the one that I got the most emotional about, mm-hmm. probably. Um it, it probably was she is a haunting, honestly. Yeah, I think so. Um because again it connects to those identity things like you said, uh, but it's also very much about like how we deal with like our family history and family mm-hmm. trauma and what we do with that. And I think that's a big thing that a lot of us deal with. Um mm-hmm. but I have a decent amount of that that I've struggled with as well. So I made those at least those surface level connections there. I got the most emotionally invested in those characters for sure. Even though, like I said, a, a middle of the month convenience store woman, I think I had the most the strongest feelings in general about that book. I gave a lot of opinions on it in that middle yeah. of the month episode. <laughs> yeah. But she is a haunting is definitely the one that moved me the most this yep. month. So that's that's probably that. Um, yeah. Anything else about books I right think now? That might be it. Okay, so. Um, our last segment of each episode, we tend to put out... This is a short one. I was looking at this. We're under an hour right now. We'll just keep talking about how long it is, and then we can get past that hour. All right. <laughs> just kidding. Okay. Um, we like to leave with a couple of recommendations that aren't necessarily book things, mm-hmm. um, and then start kind of wrapping up. So do you want to pitch out a couple yeah, of recommendations? Absolutely. And these are random. like. These can be very random oh, they, things. They are. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> okay, so the first one I have is Once Upon a Book Club. I got into this last year. I was in a reading slump. I ordered Once Upon a Book Club. You read the book, and they send you gifts with the book. And within the book, there are sticky notes that tell you to open specific gifts. I think that is so cool. I love it. I am very far behind. Mm-hmm. So one of those is on my list of things to read next month. <laughs> right. I love it though. Yeah. But yeah, the, and they're and they're not cheap gifts. Yeah. It is a little bit expensive. Um I think it's fifty. I don't remember. But you yeah, get full size gifts. Yeah. Well, yeah. I've gotten um a beach ball, I've gotten uh There's... a bag, I've gotten a beach blanket, I've like gotten a, books. There was like a wine thing that was like a right? Wasn't there a what, didn't that come with one of the gifts a something while ago? Something like that. There's something to cut the foil off yeah. of wine bottles. Yeah, I, it's it's really cool. There's like a little ring, like a jewelry holder thing. Yeah, that you, that left you have. Here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you put your jewelry um, in. The other thing I have as a recommendation is the Barbie movie and also <laughs> the soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. So the movie is so good. Mm-hmm. I cried like a baby during that too because that's about identity. Oh, I it's did. It's so so I... much about identity. And even if you're not a woman, you can identify mm-hmm. with the struggles of being a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, the last ten minutes of that movie. Oh my gosh! It, it, but the soundtrack is also so great. good, so good. And the reason I put it on here is because we were watching a SNL skit yeah. where Pete Davidson did a, uh, a parody sp- of Ken. "I'm Just Ken." Yeah, and he did "I'm Just Pete." So then I listen to I'm Just Ken, and Ryan Gosling sings it, and he mm-hmm. plays Ken, and it's so good. Yeah, that movie's incredible. And I have the vinyl, and it's pink, and yeah. it's great. Greta Gerwig, director, mm-hmm. writer. i got to throw that out there. She's Margot one. Robbie. Yeah, yeah. Ryan Gosling. Gre- Greta Gerwig's one of my favorite writers and directors mm-hmm. ever right America now. Ferreira. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's an amazing cast. Yeah. Uh, it even has a... 
the other woman from SNL. Um, oh. She plays weird Barbie yes, in the movie. Kate, Mc, Kate, Kate McKinnon. McKinnon. Yeah. And yeah. then it has, um, what's the guy's name that played Shang-Chi? Oh, uh, Simu Liu, yeah. right? And then, oh, and uh, Michael Sarah as well. Right, yeah. We could just keep listening. Oh, and then also cast. John Cena. He's right. like, he had oh, like a small little cameo, little, and I missed it, but whatever, it's yeah, fine. it was good. <laughs> no, amazing movie. We watched it in theaters, and it was He actually great. petitioned to be in that movie. Like, he, mm-hmm. he asked for a role. He said, I don't care. This is what I read somewhere. He said, I don't care what size the role is. Mm-hmm. Can I be in the Barbie movie? And they made him Mermaid Ken. Yeah, yeah. So. Incredible movie. I, I recommend it as well. Um, but I've got I've got two recommendations. Again, very random things. Uh, the first one is uh, Last Week Tonight. The John Oliver show is back in full swing. That show's great. Uh, it's a kind of comedy, talking head, late night show type thing. One episode a week. Uh, and normally he covers some pretty serious topics, but he covers them in very comical, lighthearted mm-hmm. ways. And if it's a major issue that he sees in the world, then typically he will design something to kind of try to actually physically correct that issue. The thing that I love about it is at the end of every episode, uh, at the end of every main segment, he'll say, all right, so now you're probably wondering what can I do about this? He has some version Mm. of that phrasing. So he'll introduce a major problem like telemarketer scams, for example. (laughs) He had a whole episode on that. And then, uh, like, he talked about how the telemarketer scams typically target older people. Mm-hmm. And a lot of older people will get caught up in these things because, like, they are not cognizant enough in some cases to realize it's a scam and they get right. roped into it. So at the end of the episode, he says, so now what can we do about it? Or you're probably wondering what you can do about it. And then he sets up a, his own rotary call, like, telemarketer thing that is going to call members of Congress every six hours or something like that and leave voicemails and he hits the button to activate it on the show if i'm not mistaken it's been a little while since i've seen it and it just does that every six hours and he just leaves it on Mm. and it just keeps doing it because he's like bugging members of congress to sign this bill into law that would restrict telemarketer scams he always does something actionable well because the idea of the do not call list is just Uh, yes it's whatever it's It's, you can put your name on that list all day long but it's not gonna matter for sure yeah and he and he targets a lot of major issues, but he always tends to have some kind of larger, like, here's what we're going to do. Right. Like, here's a physical thing. So, like, he actually takes action instead of just, like, being a talking head that just brings That's attention cool. to it, which is also important, but taking action helps a lot. Second thing that I'm going to recommend, uh, the Mac Miller Tiny Desk Vinyl. Mine hasn't mm. been delivered yet. Um, I yeah. So, uh, if you're not familiar with the NPR Tiny Desk Concerts, um, they have... I suggest, suggest those in general. Those but. are amazing, <laughs> yeah. So, they have like a little office uh, where the music wing of NPR will bring in artists and they record at the quote-unquote Tiny Desk. And it's usually a kind of stripped-down version of mm-hmm. some of their music. Normally, they do three or four songs. They've got like a small audience of people that work at NPR. There's some great ones. Uh, Keaton Henson, Daughter... Um, Let's see. I'm trying to think of another. Thundercat did a good one. Run the Jewels did a good mm-hmm. one. There, there's a and it's a wide variety of music. But anyway, the Mac Miller one, super well known one. A lot of people love it. It has oh my gosh, like millions and millions of views online. Uh, he does three songs on it. Incredible versions of those songs. And uh, I believe this is only the. I think this is the first singular performance from Tiny Desk that they published into like a yeah because i think they have a collection that has like highlights or the greatest hits but this is that one and you know mac miller passed unfortunately uh not too awful long ago several years back um so like it's a it's it's even heavier that's that's one of those it's about a lot of his songs are about mental health and about finding yourself and loving yourself and things like that so if this vinyl has all the chatter in between, that's what I'm going to love. Right. Because his little ad-libbing back and forth, I can hear the songs better produced somewhere else, but if this vinyl has all that chatter, I will absolutely love it. That's that's what I'm looking for, because I watch that Tiny Desk quite often. Right. So, but those are my two recommendations. All and right. I, well. I think that's about all that we have for this one. Um, this is our first final our month. our month is done. Yeah, it's our first full <laughs> month that we've covered on the podcast, yeah. and we'll we'll be back on uh, November first um, right. for the first episode of November, setting up our TBR, talking about the theme, swapping books. Right? Do, um, do we have any like 
Because sometimes we can do like a spoiler. Do we have anything? Not really. I mean, wait, we'll just tease. Maybe like lending voices. Yes, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, we... It'll be good though. I look forward to that one because we got a we got a pretty packed month, but yeah. thankfully work will slow down a little bit for me, right. so I might be able to read a little and more. Pick up for me. Yeah, unfortunately. So maybe we'll read the same amount. <laughs> There's not a chance. There's no way. But uh, but we really appreciate everyone listening, and if you've stuck with us for the whole month, especially like yeah, we really appreciate so that. Much. It's been a, it's been great so far. We've enjoyed every second of it, and um, yeah, we we're glad that you joined us. Uh, Follow us on Spotify. I think we should be up on Apple Music soon. We're still yeah, in Google sure Google so Music as well. It takes a while sometimes for that stuff to get approved. Yeah. Um, but also, uh, you know, leave ratings. Uh, subscribe to the shows on there. It's free on Spotify. Follow mm-hmm. the show. Share it with your friends. Yeah, share it with people. If anyone else is interested in books and wants to hear a couple random people talk about them <laughs> right. for a couple hours every month. Um, and also, uh, we got some social media yeah, stuff. Yeah, we can be found on Instagram at TalkBookie. Mm-hmm. And then uh, both me and Aaron have Goodreads, mm-hmm. where I have no problem with strangers following me on Goodreads. Yeah, for sure. Because I don't really do a lot of responding, so you can just see what I'm reading. Yeah. Um, mine is, I think it's Fee Marie mm. on Goodreads, and yours is A.T. Cole 1400. Yep. Yeah, I can remember yours. I can't. I think mine's Fee Marie. I think it is. Yeah, yeah I believe so. <laughs> but it's on our it's it's on our info page mm-hmm. um, on Instagram. Yep. So you can find the links there, and it'll take you directly to them for sure. And then we have an email as well as talkbookie at gmail Right. Yep. Um, so you can send us emails there if you want to with any questions or suggestions. Or... Honestly, I would love that. I would love yeah. to see what any anybody else is reading. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think if it... you suggest us. To read something, maybe we can read it. That'd be great. Yep. And uh, yeah, again, thank you for listening and following along with this. And we hope you got some good recommendations out of it. And we will be back in one day uh, (laughs) for the November 1st episode. We will talk to you tomorrow. All right. Bye. Bye.